So this, <clears throat> the minute to light uh, Menorah and Shul is, uh, is, is a very fascinating minute. I, I don't know if there is any other minig that can quite compare to this because you know we where else do we have a minig that has no source at all in the Gemara and yet it it's um, it has it has no source in the Gemara and we treat it like a regular mitzvah, right? Even let's say Hal on Rish is also called a minig, Hal on Rish But it's treated like a, it, it's mentioned in the Gemara. The Gemara mentions it. The Gemara mentions that it's a minig. So, you know, it's a discussion. We'll see soon whether you make a brach on Hal on Rish Chaydish. Sfaradim don't, Ashkenazim do. But it's, it's something that's mentioned in the Gemara. And over here we have this minig of lighting the menorah and the base medrash, which is not mentioned in the Gemara at all, but we treat it like a regular mitzvah, we make brachas on it, and we do everything like it is a regular mitzvah. So it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating um, mitzvah. And it's a fascinating minig in that way. And what's even more interesting about this minig is that a minig of this sort, which is like mamish, like a mitzvah, you do it with uh, bracha and everything and the whole pomp and circumstance, you would think it has a very early source. But the strange thing about this minig is, is that it doesn't have a very early source. Like I said, it's not mentioned in the Gemara, and it's, it's um, not even mentioned in all Rishonim. It's mentioned only with later Rishonim. Like, in other words, the Rambam, the Rif, the Rosh, all the, the heavy hitter Rishonim, uh, they don't mention it at all. Tysis, no mention of this concept of lighting the Menorah and Shul. And the first mention is the later Rishayim, the Baal Ha'itor, uh, the Sefer Mitzvah's Katana, the Smak. These are the Rishayim that mention this, this, uh, this particular Minig. So it's, a very, it's, it's just very interesting that the Minig started and developed later on and then evolved into something that we all do. So let's learn a little bit about the source of this minig, why it started, and what the reason for it is. And it has a lot of interesting ramifications. It has a lot of interesting ramifications. First of all, we have to know what the reason for this minig is, which we'll see. And also, we have to understand why it is that it's so simple that we make a bracha on this minig, whereas in other minhagim, we don't make a bracha. Like I said, Svaradim don't make a bracha on Halon, Rishchidish, um, Ashkenazim. <clears throat> We don't, none of us make a bracha on uh, Hashanis of Hashanah Rabbah, you know, even though that's a mitzvah, even Medivra Nevi'im, it's a mitzvah, we don't make a bracha on it because we don't make a bracha on a minig. So some in Hagen make a bracha on some you don't, this one you do. But the more interesting thing that I want to address is the big question that a lot of players can deal with is can you extrapolate from the, from the fact that we do uh, this Hadlaka in the base Medrash to that which has become popular <clears throat> you know, through the efforts of Chabad to light outside, outdoors, and these uh, big gatherings where they make a public Hadlaka uh, Samenaira in Washington, D.C., and all over the world, and they make a bracha, they light it with a bracha. Um, interestingly, uh, doing a little research, I really I have to speak to uh, a Chabad Chassid to know for sure, but it doesn't seem like it's so clear that the Rebbe said you should make a bracha when you do that. It doesn't seem like it's so clear that that was the Rebbe's 
direction uh, developed. I imagine at some point he must have been aware of it. But in any case, they do it. And the question is, can that be extrapolated from the fact that we light a menorah in the base medrash? Can you extrapolate that any time you have a big gathering of people, you could light a menorah? And then the question that then comes on from that is, can you then go on to say that uh, anytime we have a big gathering, we should do the same? Like, for example, you're in a chasana hall. On Hanukkah, a very common question, should you light a menorah there? Because there's a lot of people around and make a bracha. You also have marav in the chasana hall. A lot of times you have mincha and marav. So is the right thing that you should set up a menorah over there to be lit in the chasana hall? And should you light that menorah with a bracha as well? In our bismedrash, what we always have the shaila is, is we have two minyanim now. An usual year is on the Sunday, but now it's every day. So we have the early minion and the late minion. So we light by the early minion, by the minchamarav minion, you know, by Shkia. Should we be lighting again if it goes out? So what we've done is we've just made sure there's enough oil that hopefully it'll burn, you know, till then. But should you, should you uh, if it does go out or if you don't put in enough oil, should you light a second time with a bracha for the later minion? And the truth is, sometimes, uh, certainly back in the day, uh, it... Uh, Pre-COVID, when we had a little bit more of a bustling night seder, <laughs> there were more people here by the second minion. There were more people here by the 9.30 Ma'ariv. So in a way, it made more sense. That's, that's when the more people are here. That's when the main hadlaka should take place. And really, the question goes, when people, let's say, come to Bismedrish, and there's no minion at all. They just come there to learn. There's no minion, no Ma'ariv, no Mincha. They just come there to learn. So they light uh, a Menaira just for that sake. Not, 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 not associated with davening. So these are all questions that we have to understand. What exactly was this minig to light an abyss medrash and what, what's the point of it and how can it be, you know, how can it be applied to all those things? Uh, another thing that, another uh, interesting thing that developed, which also is an interesting question, uh, is by uh, Hasidim, Admirim, Rebbes, all Rebbes light their own personal menorah in the abyss medrash. So there's, this, there's a shul menorah, which is lit for the base medrash, and that they light by Mincha Marv. And then the Rebbe comes in and lights his own menorah in the shul, um, you know, next to, the, to usually the door to his office. He lights the menorah, and that's his own personal hadlaka. And he does it whenever he's ready, you know, later on, and it's a big event, and everybody watches, and everybody answers them, and sings together. Uh, and by a lot of Hasidim, actually, the hadlaka of the base medrash, they make a big joke out of it. Um, they, 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 they specifically try to downplay that hadlaka um, because they're trying to demonstrate probably that, you know, that's the shul's hadlaka and it's not the Rebbe's hadlaka. I don't know exactly what it is. I know uh, certain chassidus and Mamish it's like a Purim situation with kids running around laughing at the Gabba who, 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 who lies it. So it, it, it's that to make a, that's for some reason their minig is to make a little deal out of that, but a big deal out of the hadlaka of the Rebbe. And the question is, how could the Rebbe do that? How could the Rebbe light his menorah in the base Madrish? It's not his house. How could he be yaitzah there? And it's also, we're going to see, it's, it is tied into exactly what's the pshat in the halakha in the base Madrish. And also, one question we always have is, how long does it have to burn? Right? Usually, you light a mincha marav, it burns through marav, then everybody leaves. So it burns 10 minutes, right, until everybody left. So what are you supposed to do? You have, you have to let it burn for a half hour, you have to let it burn the whole night, you put it out, what, how long exactly is the length that it's supposed to burn? So these are a whole bunch of questions. So the first source is quoted in the tour, is a Sefer Mitzvah Katan, one of the Balitaisis, a smack, and he says, So the way he quotes it is that the mitzvah 
is to put it in Bis Medrish in Dharam, which is where we do, in the southern, southern wall of Bis Medrish, or towards the southern side of the Aram Kaidish, because that's where it was in the Beis HaMikdash. So from that, it would seem like that the mitzvah of lighting in the, in the shul is because you're trying to replicate the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. That's what it would sound like. Um, the, the other earliest source is the Bala Itur. He doesn't say much. He just says the minig is to light the Ner Hanukkah in the Beis HaKnesis. And he says some places in the shul they put it by the door and other places they put it in the middle of the shul. But he doesn't make that connection to the Beis HaMikdash. The Bala Itur does not make that connection. So <clears throat> the, the next place where you find that it's discussed is the Shibale HaLeket. Shibale HaLeket is also one of the Rishayinim. And he quotes this Bala Itur and he quotes the Smack that say you should light it in the base of Meknesis. And he says, Gam anu Our minig is also to light in the base of Meknesis. But he says, Lo yadanu I don't know where this minig started. He was trying to figure out what's the source for this minig to light in the base of Meknesis. The Rishonim already didn't know where it developed from. Uh, then he says that his Rebbe, Rebbe Huda, his name was, he said he didn't, he always made sure that he wasn't the one to light it because he didn't want to make a bracha on the Hadlaka and the Beis HaKnesis. So Shabbat says they did it, but the, his Rebbe did not want to do it, because he, did not want to make the, want, he didn't want to be the one to make the bracha, but he says, Lamai said that was the minig, they did it, and they, they lit it. Um, and he doesn't understand what the reason is, what's the purpose of this lighting. That's what the Shabbat HaLeket um, says. Lamai said we all do, and we all light it. Uh, but there were some G'daylam that they themselves did not want to light the Menorah and the Beis HaKnesses because they were worried about this Tzavik Bracha. The Chassam Sefer was one of them. The Maram Shik says that his Rabbi, the Chassam Sefer, would not light the Menorah and the Beis Medrash himself because he was worried about Tzavik Bracha. He let the Tzibur light it, he let the Chazan light it, but he himself wouldn't light it for that reason. Even though now the Chassam Sefer happens to have a tshuva, a long tshuva about uh, lighting in the, in the base Medrash, and he has a big discussion, what's the right place, should it be there, should it be here, he has a whole discussion about it, and he just doesn't make any mention of that, any, any kind of chashash not to light with a bracha, but the, that, that, that's the way his Talmud uh, said, that he heard, that his rabbi didn't light it with, the, he himself did not want to do it, but the Birkei Yosef, the Chida, writes that uh, he saw Rabbanim, Tzadikim, Gedalim, they all lit, they all lit with a bracha, no one ever held themselves back, so he says, the, the Bechida says, that's the halacha. You light and you light with the bracha, and don't worry about it. But the, the, or, or the origin of this question starts from Mishabal Alakad. And, and really, the question has to be understood like this. The question is, yes, there's a minute to light in base Medrash. And yes, we'll find reasons why you should light in the base Medrash. We'll see the different kind of svaras. But why should you make a bracha? Why should you make a bracha? We light by chakras also, right? We don't make a bracha. Why would, you, why would there be a reason in the minig to make a bracha? And that's a question we're going to have to answer. Yes, there might be an Indian to have a menorah in a base madrash. There might be an Indian to say chilamikdash. There might be all different kinds of reasons we can come up with to make a, a shul menorah, but why would you make a bracha on it? Why would you treat it like the regular mitzvah? So we're going to have to answer that question. Now, the, the real first reason that goes into the kishkis, like tries to really understand what the pshat in this minig is, is the Rivash, right? The Rivash was a Talmud of the Ran, so it was like the last uh, generation of Rishainim. And he says like this, he says, first he says the Minig is because of Parsuminisa. Parsuminisa, that's reason number one, primary reason is we do it in order to do Parsuminisa. But he adds a little connect, he adds a little understanding to it. Why is this this Indian of Parsuminisa? So he says, because really everybody's supposed to light outdoors. You're supposed to light Pesach Beis Simi But we don't do that anymore because of Sakana. 
And it seems like, this is a side note, you know, nothing to do with lighting and shul. This is also another discussion that, you know, nowadays there isn't really a sakana. Why aren't we all lighting outside? They do it in Eretz Yisrael. Why don't we do it over here also? And many Swarm have written about this, not just now, not just in America. They read it in Europe already. They were writing about it. It wasn't such a sakana to light outdoors. It wasn't, they didn't, weren't at such, uh, you know, many places it wasn't so difficult with the game. So they were able to do that. They were able to, uh, to, to light outdoors. They write, there's a lot of reasons, I'll be side, they say, you know, I'll be Kabbalah, when it, once it's switched, it's switched, and then there's other things that they write that, um, that mean that there are some places in Chosla where it is dangerous, I imagine in, uh, in uh, the Palestinian Authority, you probably can light uh, whatever, there are still going to be places outside where it's dangerous to light, so once in Chosla they want it to be uniform, everybody does the same thing, everybody lights inside until Bashiach comes when everybody can light outside. But in any case, so the Rivash says now that we don't light outside, so there's lacking in the Prasumanisa. Since there's missing in the Prasumanisa, so they were misaken, you should do it in Bismedrish to add all that extra Prasumanisa that you're missing because we don't do it outside anymore. That's what the, that's what the, the, um, the Rivash says. And then he says, he asks the Kasha. Now he asks, I, we don't make a bracha on a minig. It's a very nice concept. We made a minig, we wanted to add more Prasumanisa, so we lit in Shul. Great. Why make a bracha on it? So just light it in shul. Why make a bracha? So he says that we don't, this that you don't make a bracha on a minig is like by a rava because it's a minig kal, he says. You just do chabata, you just bang it on the floor. It's a, it's a, it's a light minig. It's not, a, it's not such a serious minig or it's not such a mitzvah. The minig itself is not such a nice mitzvah. But over here, by Ner Hanukkah, it's much more of a nice mitzvah. And he, he compares it to hal on Rosh Saying hal on Rosh when we say chatzi hal, like today we said the whole hal because it's Hanukkah. But a regular Rosh you only say Chatzi Hal. The reason why you only say Chatzi Hal is because it's not a real Hal, it's really a Minig. It's really a Minig, it's not, it's not an Iker Adin of Hal. Iker Adin, you don't say Hal on Rosh So it's a Minig. Well, you make a bracha on it according to the Ashkenazim, because you can make a bracha on something, we're doing something like a real mitzvah, you can make a bracha on it. So that's, what, that's how he explains Chanukah. Now, <clears throat> so his understanding basically is, that and this is the Ridvan Mesat Shabbat says that we're lighting it in shul because of Prasuma Nisa. That's why they made this minig. They wanted to supplement the Prasuma Nisa that was lo- lost that they, now that they're not lighting Pesel Basimi Bachutz anymore. And it's a minig you can make a bracha on too. That's, that's, his, that's his approach. And this, this approach of the Rivash, as we're going to see, is going to really be the only approach that's usable to say why you can light in Washington, D.C. in. Uh, Forever it is that put up that big menorah and make a bracha on it because of Prasumanisa. So this, this, we're going to see now there's other reasons, three other reasons given by Rishainim. Those reasons cannot be applied outside of Abyss Madrash. This is the only reason that can be applied outside of Abyss Madrash. Prasumanisa, we want to add to Prasumanisa. This is the only one we're going to be able to apply outside of Abyss Madrash. So this is, this is, that's going to be that. Now, <clears throat> now this that the Rivash said that you can make a bracha on a minig. He compared it to Halon Rishchidosh. And one serious problem here is that the Mechaber himself hopes you don't, holds you don't make a bracha on Halon Rishchidosh. He holds you don't make a bracha on Halon Rishchidosh. But the Mechaber still says you make a bracha on the menorah that he lied in Shul. So how is he, he quotes this Rivash. The Beis Yisif quotes this Rivash. The Beis Yisif quotes it as the reason why we light and why we light with a bracha. But he himself argues on the source. The whole source that the Rivash brought was Halon Rishchidosh. And he holds you don't make a bracha on Halon Rishchidosh. Sefaradim don't make a bracha on Halon Rishchidosh. Briskers also don't make a bracha on Hal on Rishchidosh. If you ever daven in Brisker Shiva on Rishchidosh, they see a, to find a non-brisker to take the Amud. <laughs> and we might see everybody with, uh, with uh, or everybody who doesn't want to make the bracha, to we might see them with, uh, with the bracha on Hal. 
So, uh, so he, the Chacham Tzvi asks this on the Beis Yosef. He says, how are you going to understand why you can make a bracha on, on the Menorah? So the Gra answers, uh, very interestingly, the Gra, I actually spoke a little bit about this on Shabbos, Haggadol Rosh, about um, that, when we spoke about Hal, the night of the Seder in Shul. So the Gra says that there's a minik to say Hal, the night of the Seder in Shul, and he said Hal in Shul with a bracha, and he says, if you look in the source, the only reason why you say that Hal and Shul is Pasumanisa. The reason why you say a Hal and Shul, the night of the Seder, really you're saying it by the Seder already. You can say Hal by the Seder. The reason why you do it in Shul, you want to do a Baroib Amst, which would be Pasumanisa, the nace of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And he says, you see, you make a bracha on that Hal, so likewise, you can make a bracha on Pasumanisa of the Menayr. It's a fascinating sushta that the Gra makes. Now, back Pesach time, we were discussing all their sources, why you say Hal and Shul, and the, over there it was a little difficult to figure who the, who the Gra is going like, because a lot of, a lot of the Rishayim didn't understand the Hal and Shul that way. They understood the Hal and Shul was so that you should say Hal without a hefsik, without eating in the middle, so that's why you can make a bracha, or they understood you say Hal and Shul uh, because it's... Um, they, they, what was the, the other reason they wanted to, uh, you wanted it to be Yetze, because the other way around, in order they should be able to make a bracha. You know, you say, you say it in Shul in order to make a bracha, not that you could say it on Prasumani. So there, there was a lot of different ways to understand it. It was a little hard to understand who the girl was going like, but in any case, that's how the girl understands this halacha of hadlaka uh, in Shul. You can make a bracha because, not because you can make a bracha on a minig, but because you can make a bracha on Prasumani. Now I saw, just to understand this grow better, and it really answer the question. It's just a very important insight. It's an important thing to understand about Ner Hanukkah in general. The Marek Tzir, that's actually Chacham Tzvi's son. It's the, the Yavitz, the Rav Yaakov Emden Sefer and Shulchan Aruch. He writes that, that um, he writes that when, he's talking about a Suffolk bracha. Let's say you have some kind of Suffolk about Ner Hanukkah, and you have a Suffolk which you make a bracha. Normally we say Suffolk bracha is a hakal, and you don't make a bracha. The Marek says, no, by Hanukkah it's not like that. By Hanukkah you have to make the bracha. He says, if you light near Hanukkah without a bracha, you're not yaitza. He says, it's not Prasumanisa without the bracha. The bracha creates the Prasumanisa. He says, when you light a, 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 a candle, it's, it's light. There's nothing that's mechiyah, there's nothing that proves that it's a mitzvah. There's nothing that makes it into a mitzvah. It lacks the whole attribute of Parsumenisa, if not that you're making a bracha on it. And he explains that that's why we make a bracha in shul. He, he speaks this out. He says in shul also, you always need candles, right? With an electric lights, you needed candles. That's how you lit up the shul. There were always menorahs in a shul. Uh, that, you know, the, a lot of shuls have that menorah in front of the amud. Uh, that minig began because they needed light for the chazan. So they had a, a menorah in front of the amud. So how do you demonstrate what's a Hanukkah menorah and what's just light so that you should be able to see? So he says that the, it's the, the bracha is necessary for the Parsumenisa. So it's a, fam, it's a fascinating thing. It's, in other words, it's not just that by Parsumenisa you can make a bracha. It's the other way around. In order to have Parsumenisa, you have to make a bracha. So there was no way that they could tell you light a menorah in shul to create Parsumenisa. It was not a gay. You had to have the bracha in order to create that Parsumenisa. Just a, it's a fascinating understanding of what we're doing when we're making the, the brachas. It could be that the brachas are almost the main part of the Hadlakas Ner Hanukkah. When you make that bracha, that's when you're really doing what the mitzvah of Hanukkah Menorah is. You're creating the Prasumanisa with that bracha. So that's, that's a good understanding of what the, what the pshat, why it was so important that if we're going to do this, we have to do it with the bracha. Ahem. <clears throat>
What yeah. So no, so no. Halakha obviously is the mitzvah. There is a ma'aseh mitzvah involved, but the way he understands it is that the bracha creates your hadlaka into a into a parsumenisa. As you need that the bracha, it, should, it has to be a mitzvah with a bracha, in order that there should be any parsumenisa. That's how he understands it. Now, a question, obvious question is, is that which I guess is kind of what you're asking is the people who see it, they don't see you making a bracha. You know, so how do they even know? Uh, which is a good question. I don't know the answer. I don't know exactly how he, he understands that. But I guess there, there, it, it, it has to first be a prasumanisa by you, and then I can, you know, and then it's, you've made it into a menorah, I guess, if you would want to say it, and alam the shaway. You, 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 if you did it, the mitzvah with a bracha, you did the mitzvah properly, so now it can be something which, which makes prasumanisa. In terms of a shul, actually, what I, w- I was wondering that is that there's a discussion in the Paiskim. Um, the discussion is, let's say, Arab Shabbos. There aren't ten people in shul. People are late for mincha. And you want to light them in Arab because if you wait, you're not going to be able to light it anymore. It's going to get uh, dark. And really, especially according to this shita, that the reason why you're lighting in shul is for Sumin Isa, they say you have to have ten people there. You can't light them in Arab before you have ten people. The Lavush says that. Others say that. You have to have ten people because the whole point of Prasum and Isa, you don't have a minion, there's no Prasum and Isa. So here you are, Arab Shabbos and Shul, it's getting late, people are not showing up, you want to start Mincha, and you have to light the Menaira. So could you light it and say, okay, people will come, and then they'll see it, right? You light it now, there's five people now, but you know people are going to come. So in so ten minutes, everybody else will come and they'll see it. So they say you could do that, and they say that's Allah, and then you can do that. But the question is, um, the question is, is that they missed the Bracha, right? They weren't there when you made the bracha. So if that's the main prasuma nisa that you're doing in the shul, is the making the bracha, so if there's not ten people for that part, so then why, did that, why does that work? So that's something to, to think about as well. So again, you have to give some kind of, a, you know, some kind of an answer for that. Why that works. Yeah. Can that shayla also come up for uh, someone at their, in their house? Because we, we assume as many know they crowd logos from their bias. If you have someone who lights, well, they want to light this man, and their B'nai Ba'ayas aren't home yet. And really, the only way they're being Mekayim, their Iker Chiyav, is through their B'nai Ba'ayas seeing it. But, you know, their wife or kids or whoever are going to come home later. Now, I, maybe they should be waiting for their wife and kids right, to come right. home. Well, you have someone who doesn't. Um, you could run into the same problem where they didn't hear the bracha, but you need them in order to be right. in your Right, 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 yeah. Do, do no, no, this Mariksia, this, this Rehakov uh, Emden is a Chiddush, as it is. You know, and he's saying a Chiddush Lalacha, that you can make a bracha, no such thing as Safi Brachas Lahakal by Hanukkah. But uh, these are all valid questions. That's a valid, that's a valid point. That'll be also another Nafkamina, when your Bnei Bayah show up later. Um, okay, so this is this, is this approach. The, the, pro, the approach of the Rivash is that it's Prasumenisa, it's there to make up. For the prasumanisa we're missing because we don't like Pesach Beis and anymore. We make a bracha because the bracha perhaps is the prasumanisa itself, or the Gros says that you can make a bracha on prasumanisa, or whatever the tarot says, but you make a bracha as part of this concept of prasumanisa. That's the Rivash's approach. And as we said, we're going to have to see now, can we take the Rivash and apply it to make a, every other kind of hadlaka, lighting in a chasana hall, uh, lighting outside, and, and so on and so forth. Just a funny thing, I, I was uh, researching a little bit today, you know, when was the first time they started doing this, lighting outdoors? And then the first time was in uh, 1974. It was the first time they lit, and they lit somewhere, 
uh, random in Philadelphia. The Philadelphia, and then after that they lit in San Francisco, and then it started getting all over the place. Um, and then in 1989, in 1989 there was a, a court case where the ACLU, the Civil Liberties Union, brought a uh, a, a, a lawsuit against Chabad, who was putting their menorah on the city hall steps and some Christian organization that was putting their, their, their Xmas tree there as well, plus a third organization that was putting some other kind of religious uh, Xmas thing inside the city hall. And it came, went to the Supreme Court. It went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court paskined, and this is a little ironic, they paskined that you can keep the tree and the menorah on the steps of the city hall. Why? Because they are secular symbols, <laughs> they're not. They're not symbols of the. They're, they're just treated as secular symbols now. They're not. They're not symbols of any of anything religious. So according to the Supreme Court, you're talking not mekayim persumenisa with uh, with the menorah. If you put your menorah on the on, on a city hall, the whole schus for the menorah to be there is because it's not doing persumenisa. So you have to keep that in mind. I don't know. I'll make a bracha on that. I don't know, where, where do they light? Where's the Chabad one light? Over here in D.C. It's, uh, you know where it is? In New York, they do it by Central Park. In Central Park. So it's not, in a, it's not a government building. It's not a government right. building. Anyway, so that's just a funny thing. It's, it's, it's ironic, but the, a lot of times, it, obviously, that happens is when you make something a little too public, it begins to lose a lot of its, uh, its time. Okay, so... Um, the next reason that the Beis Yosef gives is that they were misakin to light it in shul because of guests. Guests who don't have a house. So like in, like in those days, someone would be a guest who have nowhere to sleep, who would sleep in shul. So they, lit, they were misakin to light a menorah in shul for those people. So that's one reason. Then another reason he brings is in order to be, uh, be mighty people who are not bucky. Mighty people who are not bucky in the brachas. So these are another two reasons. Okay, so far we have Persuminisa, now we have another one to be Maitzi the Archim, who are in Shul, who have no other place to be. And the third reason is because of the people who are on Baki and the Brachas. Let's take them one at a time. If we work with the, with the reason of Archim, so then it would turn out that L'chaira, if you have actually a guest in Shul, you should be Mechabed him to light the Menorah. And some places can say you should do that. Taka, if you have a guest in Shul, you should be Mechabed him to light the Menorah. There's a safer called uh, Yad. Seifer, it was the grandson of the Chasim Seifer, the son of the Hesairus Chuva, one of the Seifers. And he talked a whole thing that he also should be Mechabed and Ereach. I mean, nowadays we don't have that. We don't have people sleeping in shul. We have the general people, they're guests somewhere, so they, they light wherever they are guests. It's un, but you could technically have it where you have someone who is um, traveling, right? So he's traveling and he's going to be driving through the night. So Itaka has no place for the night, and he drives through a shul. So here you have a guy who's an Ereach. Itaka doesn't have a place. Right now his place is shul. So that would be a person who would be Mechavit. Other Swarim say we don't, we don't give it to them because you never know. They might be Amaratzim. They might not know how to light. They might not know how to make the brachos. So you don't give it to them. Okay, so that's one. Now, the other reason is you're, t- you're trying to mis- uh, help the people who are not bucky how to make the brachos. And the question is, that doesn't make sense. The people who don't, who, where are they being Yaitza? They need a light at home. What does it help them to hear the brachos in shul? And if they're not supposed to light at home, they're not lighting at home, then it's like uh, that they're doing an Avera. They're doing the wrong thing. Why are we trying to help them out? So the Mechus Elazar talks about this, the Binyan Shleim, other Chuvis. So they, they say, basically, I think the idea is that we're not being moitzi them in Shul. 
we're making the bracha and shul to teach them how to make the brachas. And once they learn how to make the brachas, they'll go home and do it. So it's like almost like when you do chinuch, you're allowed to like, say the whole bracha with the child, even though it's, you're saying Hashem's name and everything. You're doing it just to teach the, the child how to make the brachas. Here also, they're misakin to do it in shul, just to teach the people how to make the bracha. It's an interesting, interesting concept. Again, this is really something which is applicable only to a shul. So obviously, this concept of the ireach, the, the guests, and this concept of the haitzi she'enibaki is going to only be something which is applicable to a shul and can't be applied outside of a shul. Now, there's another reason, which is the one we started before, which is the tour seems to say, and it's also other Rishayin or Arkos Chaim, is that the reason why we light in shul is Zeichel HaMikdash. I think if you would ask anybody, I think your knee-jerk reaction would be that. That would be your assumption. The reason why we light in shul is to make a Zeichel to the Menorah in the base of Mikdash, and that's why we even position it in the way we position it. We position the Menorah towards the south side of the shul. Uh, a lot of shuls have it all the way by the south wall. They put it all the way at the end, if it's practical. Or we just put it at least towards the south of the Aram Kaidish, which is the way it was in the base of Mikdash. And then the, the Armenaira Ar is perpendicular to the Aram Kaidish. So the Aram Kaidish is the west, is the eastern wall, and we have it perpendicular because we go with the opinion of the Rishainim that the, the Menorah was that way. Its, it's nearest went from Mizrach to Marav. And according to that, the Ner Maravi was the one that's closest to the Aram Kaidish. Other Rishayim say that's not the way it stood. It actually stood parallel to the Aram Kaidish, parallel to the eastern wall. It ran from Tzapin to Dharam, and according to that, the Ner Maravi was the center one. And that's the, that's the way we go. So according to that, it's, we're lighting it to make a zecher to the mikdash. Obviously, that's only going to be applicable to a shul, and that can't be, that you can't apply that past the shul. It's an interesting thing is that in, in Shulchan Aruch it says that when you light a menorah, you have to, you're supposed to light it, and we light it by a window, but if you don't light it by a window, if you light it by a door, like in Eretz Yisrael, you're supposed to light it less than 10 tfachim high. You're supposed to light it below 10 tfachim. And as a Shiloh, if so in Shul, we're not lighting it by a window, why don't we light it less than 10 tfachim? To which the, the Paiskim say, the reason is, is because in Shul, we're trying to replicate the menorah. And the menorah in the base of Mikdash was Yudches tfachim tall, so it was much higher than 10 tfachim. So again, that's the reason we want everybody to, help to see it, so that's why we make it high. There's a, a very fascinating, another pshat, a whole new pshat, by the Maidim Luzmanim, and he's not the only one, others say this too. This, they, they want to take a whole new historical approach to the lighting of the Menorah in, uh, in Shul. They want to say like this. He want, the Maidim Luzmanim, he's not the only one, others say this too. They, a lot of people have bothered, you might have heard this kasha before, why is it that in al Hanisim we don't make any mention of the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah, of lighting the Menorah? In, in uh, Moaz Tzur, we don't make any mention of the mitzvah or the nais of the Hanukkah menorah. In the Gemara, when the Gemara says that they uh, were masakin, they said they, the, the Gemara says they were masakin it for Howl and Haidah. Doesn't mention the, the Ner Hanukkah. So he wants to say a fascinating thing. He wants to say that the Hashemunayim it happened. The base of Mikdash was still built. There's no Charbim yet. And he said while the base of Mikdash was built, they didn't ha- at that time the Taka were not masakin that Ner Hanukkah should be lit by every individual. During the time of the Beis HaMikdash, while the Beis HaMikdash stood, they used to only light the menorah in public places. They would light it in shuls, and they would light it in the Beis HaMikdash. That was the way the mitzvah started originally. And it was only after the Charb and Beis HaMikdash that there were Chazal and Mesachim that everybody should individually light it. And then they, they decided to keep the original minig as well, which was to light it in the shuls. So he's saying it's just a fascinating... 
a huge chiddush to say such a thing historically. That originally the way it worked was it was that that there was no manure public there was no manure done by individuals. It was just done publicly in public places in a shul or in the base of mikdash. Then the base of mikdash got destroyed. Chazal said, "Okay, let everybody do it individually." And then they said, "Okay, you know, you're not doing a good enough job because there's uh, not enough persumanisa. We'll put it back to what it used to be and we'll do it in shul again." And that's why it's meant to replicate the base of mikdash because that's taka the the way the 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 nace was original. So it's just. Um, it's just a fascinating approach to this, to this uh, mahalach. Now, there's other svarim that may bring many proofs that this is incorrect. They say, they bring proofs that uh, Rashi and, and even from Megillus and Teichas, you know, it's, we don't really have midrashim that describe what happened in Hanukkah, but there are these, they're called midrashim chitainim. They're really preserved by non-Jewish sources. They're written in Greek. That's Megillus and Teichas, if you've ever seen it, or, or the Sefer HaChash These were all from Greek or non-Jewish sources that recounted the story of uh, Hanukkah, and then it was translated back. So we don't have such a great Messiah on it. So that's why they're called Midrashim Chisainim. Uh, but in these Midrashim, some of them also say that they started lighting the Menorah individually. Everybody started lighting it right away. So other people say that actually, to answer these kashas, they say, is the other, what, of course, everybody always lit it uh, themselves. They say on the contrary. What happened was like this. Chazal weren't Mesachim right away, the mitzvah of Menorah, but everybody did it on their own. Everybody, the first year after Hanukkah, they went on their own and they lit the menorah out of their own volition in order to commemorate the nace of Hanukkah. And when Chazal saw that everybody did it on their own, so they said, okay, we're going to make a mitzvah out of it. It's kind of what happened by Purim too. Uh, Purim also, if you, in the Megillah, it says that the first year everybody were, man, made a suda and a yantiv and mishloach manas, and then Chazal saw that they did it, so the Shana HaCheres, Mordechai and Esther were mesakin, that it should be a thing. And you have to make a suda, and you have to make a yantiv, and you have to you have to give mishloach manas and matanas lavyanim. So it started out with everybody understanding it from themselves, and then Chazal said, "Okay, everybody understood that. Let's make it into a mitzvah." That's the way they answer why it wasn't the immediate first year when when they made the alanisim or when they that that they that they, they didn't institute the mitzvah of menorah right away, but everybody started doing it right away. So those are two very opposite approaches how this how exactly the mitzvah of Hanukkah evolved. Uh, according to his approach, it was, or Sternbach's approach, it was the, op- the first, nobody did it individually. You only did it in shuls or in public places. That's the way that it happened in the base of Mikdash. And later on, they added that everybody should do it individually. And according to this approach, it was Fakert. No, they didn't have any Tukhan at all. Everybody did it individually. And eventually, Chazal Mersakin, that it should be a mitzvah. So now, <clears throat> when uh, we're going back to, to lighting in public places, if you can make a bracha or not. So most, most Paiskim, most contemporary Paiskim are against it. And they basically they say like this. They say, you see that we don't have such a good handle, we don't have such a good understanding of what's going on over here with this Hadlaka Hamanaira in, in Shul, right? We're struggling to understand why, how it evolved. We're under, struggling to understand what was the reason. And there's more than one reason. And it's true, you could argue that Prasumanisa might be applicable outside of Shul. But we see that they also wanted it to be similar to the Menorah. We see they wanted it to, to resemble in the way it's set up and the way it's lit. They, the the Shevet HaLevi, he says that you light it specifically between Mincha and Marav because that's when you lit the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash after you were Makrav the Tamat Shal Ben Arbaim which is what Mincha is like. So after you macro that, that's when you did the Menorah. So that's why we specifically light the Menorah between Mincha and Marav, and he says that's when you should do it, and you shouldn't do it otherwise. 
So, so he, he's of the opinion that, and others also, that you can't extrapolate from the Menorah and Shul to outside of Shul because we, it's like, it's a bit, it's enough the Chiddush the way it is that we do it with a bracha and Shul. You can't, they don't have a problem lighting, you can light them wherever you want. If you want to do it with a bracha, that's what they, that's what they have a problem with. The, the one contemporary Paisik I saw that didn't have a problem with this is Rabbi Yaman Zilber. He's the only one, Aznidbru, uh, many, many Shuvis. He was known as Binyamin Atzadik in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, so he, he, he's the only one who says that it's okay. You could do that. You could light in a public place. They also, they like discuss in the Kaisel Plaza. You know, they light over there with a bracha too. Now, I, I think if you could argue that, that the Kaisel is probably the world's shul, right? <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't understand why it's such an issue to light over there. And so the question is, how many could you light over there? It's in the same question again, right? I think they only light one. So I, I, so they say they say that regarding us also. They say that if you light by the first minion, everybody's yaitzer with that. Even if you don't come then, even if you only come later, the hadlaka by the first minion is might see everybody. You don't have to light a second time. And they say actually even inter- more and more interesting thing. This is in Shuvas Malamad Lahoyal, that's uh, Rav uh, David Hafman, uh, pre-war in, G- in Germany. So he says he's like this. He says you, you know we light by chakras. And that no one discusses. Where did that come from? Like, where did that many come out till start lighting, uh, lighting the menorah by chakras? It's, that, it's not even mentioned in Shulchan Aruch. It's mentioned in a Prima Godim. So he says, the pshat is like this. The pshat is, is that they would light it by marav. And you did, they used to do one of two things. Either they put in enough oil that it should burn through the night until chakras. Or if they didn't want to do that or didn't have enough oil, didn't have big enough menorah for that. So what they did is, is that they lit it by marav. Everybody left, uh, and then they put it out, and it didn't even burn for a half hour. So they didn't they didn't think that was right that it shouldn't burn for a half hour. So they lit it again in the morning by shachris, so it should burn the rest of the time. That's how he explains it. This is a fascinating way of understanding how that worked. So they they lit it. Uh, the reason why we light by shachris is to be mashlam that half hour that you're missing that that you didn't uh, you didn't do it by night. That's, uh, that's, that's an interesting apro- approach. And again, the uh, same thing, lighting in a chasen hall, even if you're down in Minchamar there, they say it's not a shul, it's not a basic knesset, it doesn't have the, any kind of resemblance of basic mikdash, so they're not happy with lighting um, a menorah there. I just want to finish off this interesting thing we talked before about the rebbes who light in, uh, in a base medrash. How could they light in a base medrash? Right, so we were talking before about the Archim, they were sacking to light in a shul because it works for the Archim, and apparently it could work for the Archim, even though the Archim don't really live in the shul either. Um, but the, the way the, the Paiskim who, who try to understand it, they say, well, a Rebbe li- kind of lives in his Bismedrish, because he makes his tish there, so he eats there. That's where he eats on Shabbos, that's where he eats on Yantiv. Uh, Hanukkah every night they have a tish, so they're, they're, they're eating there at home. And they're not sleeping there, they're sleeping at home. But they're eating, and, and they're basically, that's where they hang out all day, is in, uh, is in the Bismarck. And he says this interesting story with the Minchas Yitzchak, uh, Dayan Weiss. When he came to Eretz Yisrael, he was introduced to the Bialat Bial Rebbe. And um, the, the Bialat Rebbe would light in his shul, as all Rebbes do, and he would light from the door of the shul that would lead um, into his office. That would lead into his office, and it didn't only lead into his office, it led also, I guess, to other parts of the shul. So the, the Hasidim approached Dayan Weiss, and they said, we have a problem. Our problem is that our Rebbe, he, the mezuzah is on one side of the, that door, and you light, it, you light the menorah on the other side. So the way the menorah is positioned, the Rebbe faces 
the hallway and his back is to us when he's lighting the menorah. And we're not happy with that. We want to be able to see the Rebbe when he's lighting his menorah. We don't want to be able to, we don't want to look at his back while he's lighting his menorah. So you have to convince him to somehow light on the other side. So he, the Diane Weiss, you know, next time he came on Hanukkah, he schmoozed with the Rebbe and they were talking about all different kinds of things. And then he was escorting him to his office and he looks at the door and he says, the mezuzah on his doorway, why is it this way? It should be that way. So the Rebbe said, it's true, I use this doorway, and for me, it's uh, an entrance to the Bismedrish, so it really should be on the other side, but I'm only one person, and most of the Hasidim, they use this doorway for the other thing, they use this doorway to exit the Bismedrish, so it has to be on that side. So Diane Weiss told him, no, 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 he said, everybody doesn't live here, you, Rebbe, you live here in Bismedrish, this is your house. So what everybody else uses, how they use the door doesn't make a difference. It's all, you're the one who decides how this door gets used. So you have to switch the, the mezuzah. And Taka did. He switched the mezuzah. And therefore he switched where the menorah is. And the chassidim got what they wanted. That they, they have a lit it uh, facing them. Anyway, so that was the, that's the rationale between the way the, the Admirim light their, the menorah in shul is because they consider the shul their place where they live. But now it happens to have an interesting ramification because this is a question that actually comes up a lot that when you are away for a Shabbos, let's say you go for a Sheva Brachas, and you're eating in one place, and you're sleeping in another place, how do we consider your main place? Should you be lighting your menorah where you're sleeping, or should you be lighting your menorah in the, the hall that you're having your Sheva Brachas, which used to be something that people did um, before COVID? So uh, they, they, that's a big Shiloh. It's always Shiloh, what's the right, the right thing to do? And over here, I think the argument over here, that's not just that they eat in Bismarck, but like, that's where they live, that's where they hang out, that's their place. The places in Bismarck. So I, I, I used to tell people that the same thing regarding Hanukkah and is that it's one thing if you eat in one place and sleep in another place. But usually it's more than that. It's like you're going to spend the whole day in the hall. So that's your place. You're just sleeping by some strange person. You don't even know them. So then your place is the, the Makamachila, the place where you're going to hang out is really, is really your place. I think that's the argument. Okay, so just quickly to summarize, what we learned about over here is, is there's four possible reasons for why we do a hadlaka in the base medrash. One, the main reason seems to be parsume nisa, because the rivash explains that they didn't used to, uh, once we stopped lighting mivachutz, once we started lighting outside, there was a chisarn and parsume nisa, so that's why they're misakin to do the hadlaka in shul, to add to that parsume nisa. Other rishanim say the reason is because of archim, who don't have a place to stay. Other rishanim say the reason is to be mighty people in brachas, who aren't bucky in the brachas. And, um, and the last... Reason was that it's dumya to zechel mikdash. We want to make it a zechel mikdash, and we discussed why you can make a bracha, even though you make a bracha on the minig, is because over here the bracha by ner chanukah is the persumenisa itself. So therefore, you're required to make the bracha for persumenisa. And then the discussion then was an interesting chiddush from Rav Sternbach, who said that the original takana of ner chanukah was actually the the, 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 ner, the mener and shul. That was the way they originally did the mitzvah of ner chanukah. They didn't have individuals doing the mitzvah until much later. So that was also a fascinating uh, approach to this, to this uh, fact that we light in the shul. And um, lastly, most places can agree that you can't really extrapolate from the menorah and shul to other public places and other public gatherings because it's possible that you need all these reasons together to, uh, to uh, justify lighting and that it's only applicable in a shul and can't be applied otherwise. Shkaya.